welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Toole, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, we're joined by Jenny Analock and Terza Lewis. Jenny, who is the president and co-founder of Learning Journeys, and Terza, who is the VP of Creative Development, lead a motley crew of engaging, intelligent, and fun coaches and coaching trainers representing all areas of business, profit, nonprofit, entrepreneurial, and education. They collectively provide a place for people to learn and apply the true essence of coaching. There are no lessons on skillfully advising, artfully connecting dots, or keenly identifying blind spots for clients. Instead, they teach students how to trust the coaching process and experience the true strength of the human spirit. In each class, Jenny and Terza demonstrate how coaching is the one modality that can magnify one sense of agency and conviction if fully embraced. In addition, they faithfully teach the coaching competencies that help others reconnect to their inner resources by tuning into intuition instead of listening to experts outside of themselves. Well, if you're not already excited to listen to this episode based on the bios that I just read for Terza and Jenny, um, hopefully you will be excited to know that this was an incredibly fun uh, guest interview for Mike and I to record. Um, Jenny and Terza are so exceptional in speaking on the topic of coaching. And what I love a lot about this episode is that we really look at coaching through the lens of coaching is for everyone. It doesn't matter what role you're in. You do not have to be a people leader, have direct reports. Um, Frankly, you don't even need to be in the business world. For anyone that might be listening, um, that stays at home with their kids or runs uh, an, an entrepreneurial business, Um, Coaching is a valuable skill for anybody to have, and that will definitely become um, apparent to you as you're listening to this episode. So as always, thank you so much for being a listener of the What the HR podcast. If you're loving our guests like Jenny and Terza and the topics that we're discussing in our episodes, please share our episodes and just generally the What the HR podcast with um, your coworkers, your supervisors, your business leaders. Please go out and leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. It also really helps us to get the word out about the work that we're doing here. And as always, thanks again for being a listener and enjoy the episode. Well, Terza and Jenny, thank you so much for uh, being our guest today on What the HR Podcast. We're really excited to speak with you both about coaching today. Uh, Before we get into our topic, um, if I could just ask you both to give our listeners just a brief overview on the two of you and also to share a little bit about learning journeys and your involvement. Sure. Um, well, Jess and Mike, first of all, thanks for inviting us. And I'm Jenny Antlack. I'm president of Learning Journeys. And we are a school here in the Twin Cities. We certify individuals to become coaches. And we have been in business for 21 years. And it has been a gift to see the evolution of coaching and how uh, right now more than ever that it is needed because people are questioning who am I in relationship to what I do and what matters to me and in what a perfect way to 
provide somebody a space to have them figure that out for themselves rather than go buy another book on it or have somebody tell them because it really doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, so I'm Terza Lewis and I've been with Jenny and Learning Journey since 2019. And it's been a privilege to be on this ride with them. Uh, and basically my my whole motto is that coaching changes the people that change the world. And I say that and people think, oh, you're talking about leaders, or you're talking about heads of state. And I'm like, no, literally every single person can be benefited by coaching, by that opportunity to pause and not just take a, a look at myself introspectively, but be able to pull myself apart from how I interact in a situation long enough for me to see the 360 of it. So to see all around it, what's my impact? What's the impact of others on me, mine on the world? And that ability, I think, is something that is a lost ancient um, art. And as a coach, for me, it's a discipline in the way that we do it. And so Learning Journeys not only teaches classes, we have awesome conversations about it. We have e-learning about it. Just all of these different ways that we're trying to advance coaching conversations in the world. Well, again, welcome both of you. We're really excited to talk about this topic. And um, Terza, I'm really glad that you brought up the piece about people's assumption that when you're talking about coaching, it's for the head of state and you know leaders with big titles. And I want everyone who's listening to this episode um, to have that lens on today that we're not, when we reference coaching or mentoring, we're not talking about leaders down to desk level employees. We're talking about coaching vertically as well as horizontally uh, within an organization. Um, so for the my first question um, for the two of you is, um, you know, talk a little bit about, if you will, just how this remote work environment has maybe changed coaching and what you're hearing from your clients in terms of some of the challenges that they have faced and feeling like they can be an effective coach in a remote environment where they, they don't get to, to turn around in their chair and uh, correspond with their peers or their employees regularly. So Jess, you want it from the coach's perspective or? Um, I actually think, thank you for clarifying. I think we should probably talk about both because I think that's really valuable to have it from the lens of a coach, but also the lens of an employee who's maybe feeling like, I don't feel like I'm getting the kind of feedback or coaching that I had received when I was in the office. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to start with the, the second first is that I think that's uh, people have shifted from engaging differently with each other. And, and so it has become more of a transactional relationship when they do work or are even in work. And, and so then it's almost like we are left with, okay, that wasn't as satisfying as I used to think it was, <laughs> but I, I can't put my finger on it. And and then I can't, because I can't put my finger on what is missing, then I have a really hard time going to my leader or going even to other people and telling people there's something off here. And so what's happening a lot is that people are just jumping from job to job thinking, well, it must be the job. It must be me. It must be. And so I'll just go find something else. But I think what it really is, is that um, we don't know how to step out of our story long enough to witness what's going on. What are the things that have changed? 
and and we don't a lot of people don't have the skill set to um, help with that to check in. I had one client that he he received a promotion was moved to Minnesota. The day he was moved to Minnesota was the day that everything shut down. And and so he became a leader of a huge staff and everybody seemed to be falling apart, but he couldn't see what was falling apart. He couldn't, and all he could do was just talk to them. Uh, but his response to it often was, well, do you need a break? Do you need a, and he was solutionizing, if that's a word, for them, <laughs> rather than um, asking questions uh, to help them figure out what really do I need right now? Right. And, and, and so then it just creates the cycle of nobody knows. Yeah. And Jenny wanted to hop in and just um, also talk to the fact that this was a huge, like, Sometimes in hindsight, we say hindsight is 2020, but hindsight also sometimes mutes the impact of what people were experiencing in the moment. Um, I remember just having clients and students, uh, many of whom are in organizations, come to us and say, like, I am worried. I'm worried that if I can't show my value, if I can't, you know, have these conversations or see people like that, people felt like it was maybe I'd lose my job, Right because how am I going to show what I am worth? And we are also very adaptable. And so in less than two years, what we did was we cranked all the way from the left to the right, or you know, from one end to the other and said, okay, I will show my worth by being extremely valuable in my output. And so now what we're realizing as we come out of this and we enter this kind of new post-COVID normal, um, if I am in a hybrid organization, if I'm in an organization that has people coming back together, it, we couldn't last that long with just being, my worth is equated to my outcome. But now I don't know how to re-engage in the workforce, re-engage in finding um, my worth among my peers, my worth um, to my supervisor, my manager, my organization. And in some instances, all of that time that we had to ourselves made me wonder what's my worth in in and of myself. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like these, these um, questions, like how are these work-related questions? But the reality is we spend a lot of time at work and a lot of, a, a lot of us found our worth in our work. And so this is where they are manifesting. It's interesting because when the pandemic first hit, I remember everybody was praising the idea that you were based just on your production, right? Because a lot of people were talking about how so many people are getting promoted and it's based on water cooler talk and mm -hmm. all these intangible things. And now we're all at home and it's all about production. They were praising that. So it is, it is interesting to hear you say that in doing that, it seems like it created this lack of identity, I guess is what I would say, because now I am just a production person. I'm solely focused on these tactical things. And that's, that's what I'm judged based on. Mike, it's um, kind of like you said that you had three kids. And um, once you have children, you lose your identity and you're just so-and-so's dad. <laughs> and true. and yep. the, same, the same happened with work is that and um, if your output was great, then you were great. 
if, but there wasn't anything beyond measurement there. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, something was swirling through my head, Terza, as you were talking about that. And, and one thing is, were employees saying, I feel like I kind of have to toot my own horn now because my manager doesn't see what I'm doing behind the scenes. Like, do I have to get outside of my comfort zone when I hadn't in the past to be like, Hey, Mr. Mrs. Supervisor, I just want to let you know, I did this one thing and I received recognition for it by so-and-so. And I wanted you to have visibility to it. Whereas in the past, maybe their supervisor would have had visibility to it if they were in the office. And then um, it's kind of a a two-pronged comment or question. The second piece of just like losing identity and and production being such a focus, you know, I've also heard that people just feel like they never can turn it off now because they're at home. You know, people leaders are reaching out and during times where maybe they would have haven't reached out before, like let's say they're getting contacted or pinged at seven or seven thirty in the morning, whereas if they were expected to be in the office by eight, they weren't being reached out to by eight before. And then that also kind of goes into evening time as well. So mm-hmm. just just a couple couple thoughts or reactions there. Can I? Yeah, absolutely. You? Go ahead. Um. I, and then, Terza, I'll hand it back to you, but uh, right. just in your question, I'm going to go to the first question you had about, do, did people think that, oh, gosh, I have to toot my own horn right now? I, there is a great book called The Culture Code. And, and in that book, they talk about that the most productive and effective organizations are the ones that really have a model that you feel like you're part of the family. And, and in that model, it is that I individually know I can contribute, but I can do it because I, I can see what else is around me and so that I can um, hear and engage in that. And when we turn that piece off, then a lot of people shrunk. And, and then also the other piece that happened inside of that is because we weren't around each other as much is that there wasn't a sense of community. And when we don't have a sense of community, we also decrease our vulnerability. So I don't know if you have my back and that um, if I can screw this up, if I can say, well, I tried it, but since we're just looking at output, trying doesn't count anymore. And then, because we're not in the work environment, that third piece of which I think they don't call it a formula, but I saw it as a formula as I was reading the book, is that we um, we have a collective vision and we're moving somewhere together. And and so it wasn't just about, and it still isn't just about tooting our horn. It is about these three pieces started to dwindle is that I don't know where the heck we're going. I don't know if I can be vulnerable, yet I feel like I'm standing over in the corner stark naked because the way that I used to show worth isn't working. And then I don't know who I am individually anymore if it's not, if my output isn't measured the same as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are really good points, Jenny. Um, 
And even as you were talking, I thought the first thing that came up to me was, okay, in business speak, what is this going to affect then? Well, if I can't try, how do I innovate? Right? How do we maintain a culture of innovation? How do I see the vision if I feel like I'm reduced to my one piece and I don't know how to now re-engage into the grander vision of the organization? I see it on the paper. My supervisor says it's important. I watched the virtual town hall meeting, but yet I can't connect. Um, and so going to just your second part of the question, um, talking about like, well, now people are contacting me. I always feel on. I think that is the natural um, kind of output of us not renegotiating our norms. And how do we do that? Well, I think a lot of people say, well, you know, a leader, it happens a few ways. A leader reads a book and the leader says, all right, here's our new norms. And we all know that that just doesn't trickle down very well. Um, on the flip side, you have a space where um, everybody just kind of does it and it kind of just comes together and a lot of it's not working for us. But in three years, we're like, well, that's how it's always been done. And then the poor newbie that walked in is just like, but this is terrible. Right, And so now you got retention issues because no one wants to stay because the norm that you just kind of allowed to create actually wasn't really working for everybody. It just came out of us trying. And this is, again, where I think coaching can come in. Can I, as a organization, as a unit, as a team, can I find somebody that has the skill set to sit with us while we struggle through trying to recreate a sense of identity, Without trying to recreate our it. norms. And I'm cutting in to you, but I think that the, the skill set is that they don't label it. Mm-hmm. They don't tell them how to create the norms. And, and they just give them the space to inquire and witness it so that they can really get clear on what is it that we're seeing and experiencing and who do we want to be? And then how do we collectively create that so that we do feel like we're moving somewhere together and that it's strong rather than fragmented and wobbly? Mm-hmm. It, and you, you touched on it there a little bit, um, but in terms of coaching, like what, you know, mm-hmm. being inquisitive, allowing people to arrive at that point on their own, um, characteristics of good coaches, or at least, you know, in in my mind that that is in the beginning of this episode, you talked about a gentleman who moved to a new role to Minnesota into leadership and then COVID hit. Um, and I believe you said he was solution, just given solutions essentially. And I can understand that because as a manager, you kind of have those two hats. One is, hey, how do I do this tactical thing, like specifically? And that is providing a solution. And I think managers get lumped into that bucket a lot. So can you talk a little bit about how you guys work with clients to make sure that leaders are doing both coaching and managing? And is do you teach them how to know and like situational awareness on this is a coaching moment or this is a man, a managerial moment. Yeah. And 
those definitely are two different things. And it really is paying attention to what in this moment, is it something that eventually they're going to have to take over this and resolve on their own and have ownership? Because if that's the case, then it may seem and feel like this is going to take longer than it should. Yet in the long run, it is going to be more efficient and effective if I can come at it as a coach. And if it is about that they need direct feedback as far as uh, that somebody said something to them and it's a, a, it's a issue that needs to be resolved, then that's a completely different type of element. But when you think about um, people struggling, solutionizing is never going to work because you're going to use your own filtering system and your own values to do mm-hmm. that. And so you'll just go to, well, this worked for me. So let me just ask you questions. I'll wrap it in a nice question. Um, but I'll drive you to these types of solutions when what if that's not actually the problem you're hearing isn't actually the problem that they have. Mm-hmm. So does it go back? You you had gave some examples of like some questions that he was asking. And um, I do believe that also being a good coach is knowing what questions to ask and being really inquisitive and then sitting back, listening to the feedback, and then maybe collectively solutioning together. So it's a partnership. So did you notice some gaps, Jenny, in the types of questions he was asking his team to really get to the root of what the problem was? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I, Terz and I joke about this all the time. I wish everybody would start a conversation with first when somebody comes to you to ask, you know, what is it that uh, we are talking about? and getting really clear about that. And inside of that, what do you see as the issue that needs to be resolved right now? Uh, And and what's driving you to even try to resolve this? Or another way of looking at that is what's important about resolving this today so that you understand the underlying meaning and value of it Also getting clear on what is it that we don't need to talk about? Because I think that's where we get in trouble is Mm -hmm. that, oh, well, here's their blind spot. This is what they actually, but you're going to alienate a lot of people because you assume something in there and they stop listening to you. Yeah. And And also I think, oh, sorry, Jenny. I was just going to say one last thing is just get clear at the when they walk away, what do they need? Is it mm-hmm. a plan? Is it that they're wanting to um, brainstorm on something? What will tell them that this was worth them coming to me for? Yeah. I'm actually really glad that you did f- finish and say that last piece because my question follows immediately after um, after that. Um, what is it that you want to walk away with? And what do you want when you when we achieve that outcome? what will change, Mm. right? Yeah, what's beyond that? Exactly. Because a lot of times you're so in the middle of it that you're like, well, all I need is a this. Well, what will that actually give us? What do we want that to do? And then we have something to, you know, evaluate or judge or, or 
find, you know, use as a progress marker. Mm-hmm. And so I think that those are some great questions that um, that a team lead or anybody can ask to be able to really get clear when someone comes to them with something. I spent 15 plus years in training and development, and I can't tell you how many times halfway through uh, setting up a training plan with a with a division or a department, we look at each other and we're like, this isn't training, is it? <laughs> that's what's not needed. That's not what's needed here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't ask questions from the beginning. And so we just kind of launched into what seemed to be um, the whatever the path that we thought was useful. And the reality was everybody knew how to do how and everybody knew what. Um, so that wasn't the question. It was more of a matter of, you know, people aren't people aren't on board. Well, that requires more investigation. Mm-hmm. But we immediately jumped to training a lot of the time. Yeah. So kind of piggybacking on Jess's question there and kind of how do you guys help and in, in terms of helping with questions and whatnot. If we talk about a culture of coaching, you know, I think every time we have somebody on the podcast, it's never like this, you know, you just fix a few people and it'll be good. It has to be this overall. (laughs) Yeah, it would. It'd be, we wouldn't even need a podcast because everybody had everything figured out. But my question is, is when you guys go and work with companies, you guys can't, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can't sit down and coach every single person through it. So when you go in, how do you help transform a company to create a culture that aligns with, with coaching? Well, so, um, it has to be that at every single level, everybody buys into the philosophy. So as an example, we have, um, several organizations that they all have this, they're all in the same field. And in that organization, uh, every single person that gets hired at that company has to go through the beginning course of coaching so that we have the common language and we understand what everybody is talking about. And not everybody goes through all of the training, but, but it helps them to understand we're going to, when we approach each other, we're going to ask each other questions. We're not going to assume we know something. And when we struggle with something, we are going to be curious, not make conclusions. And so it it starts from the very first day that they arrive at that company. Um, We have an organization right now that is very large that they're starting with their leaders first. And once their leaders all go through they will have follow-up that's um, once a month, they will have coaching conversations to remind them of this is how we're going to be with each other. Yeah. Um, I really like the, um, that same organization that you were talking about, the, the, the first one, that they have monthly opportunities to get together and to have conversations about what they're going through, through a coaching lens. And what I love about that is, well, a couple of things. One, it allows people who are newer to the organization to come in and immediately understand like, oh, this is one of the ways that we we talk about things here, that we ask questions. And so there's this kind of continuous iteration of the opportunity to um, talk about our, our questions or our challenges in a different way than we normally do. 
Um, because a lot of times until you're really steeped in coaching, you know, these aren't questions that are just going to come top of mind. Um, but to have that conversation and allow creativity and um, introspection and kind of just everybody being able to come together and not necessarily um, give everybody advice, but simply say what's in it for them to have those type of conversations on a regular basis can be really helpful and useful for creating that environment. I think it does have a, an ability to be exponential if a company goes goes in and says like, at least at this level, let's try this. Let's try having a different conversation once a month. Because what happens in those conversations, at least from my experience, is that the organization begins to develop different language. Um, so if we use a visualization, for example, of a tree, next thing you know, everybody's got a different tree and everybody's oak tree. It's like, I have an oak tree, but you have an oak tree and your oak tree has leaves and mine doesn't have any leaves. What's up with that? And so next thing you know, in another meeting somewhere, somebody's just like, well, that's not what my palm tree says. And that, so you're able to begin to influence by having shared story and shared experiences that hang on a framework or invite a framework of seeing things differently mm -hmm. in the organization. And it does take some consistency, but I love that it can happen. I'm a particular lover of teams. I think that teams are like the most effective unit <laughs> in any organization. Um, and I love it when teams can begin to operate differently and they do begin to rub off on each other. You know, that person from IT gets put on a finance, you know, re, you know, enterprise resource planning system, you know, something, and then they bring a different question. Everybody's like, wow, that was interesting. I would never have thought to ask that. And so it does begin to kind of leak out into yeah, the organization. Contagious. Mm -hmm. that we've seen it where we'll take one group first. And if you've heard the term sympathetic resonance is that we do, we're constantly tuning to each other. So if you put a harp in one corner and a harp in the opposite corner and tune the first one to C sharp, the other one will tune automatically to it. And, and the same is true for us for people is that when we show up differently, we, people are tuning to us. And so if we show up radically curious and the whole team is that way, and then they go to another meeting that's outside of that, people are like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. Actually, I look forward to these conversations. And so then they start to ask more questions about what are you, how are you guys talking different? What are you doing differently? And, and so those are the, the teams and the organizations, that first organization they had high, high turnover, and they drastically cut that because of how they were being with each other. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that, Jenny, I was going to say also those teams will start to recognize, man, that team has very low attrition and their employee engagement survey results are really favorable. Like what are we, what are we doing wrong over here? Um, you know, so we, we've talked, you know, even though we kind of talked at the beginning of the episode on how we were going to keep this, or I encouraged our listeners to keep the lens on of when we reference coaching, knowing that it can happen vertically and horizontally. Um, but, but before we kind of wrap up, I'd love, um, to get some insight from the two of you on 
this idea of like coaching up and or peer to peer coaching, because I think depending on the organization, depending on sort of baggage that maybe an employee has carried with them from previous organizations where that wasn't welcomed um, or people received adverse reactions to or adverse were adversely impacted, I should say, by um, especially coaching up situations. Um, what types of, of um, uh, you know, feedback or thoughts would you provide an employee that wants to do more peer-to-peer and or coaching up, maybe in an organization that hasn't organically, um, that isn't organically weaved into their culture today? Do you have a response, Jenny? Because I do. I have a half a response, but I'll let you go first. <laughs> Okay. Um, so my, you have a full one. <laughs> I know. Um, so this is one of my um, my favorite pieces of the topic is that my first thing to them is that coaching is not advice. It's not about giving advice. Now, there are lots of things that are adjacent to coaching, mentoring, um, you know, different forms of leadership. But can you become that person that asks your leader the question that makes them tilt their head to the side and say, huh. Um, I had a lot of experience with this with one particular leader where we would just have these like really brief conversations. Um, but I realized that this particular leader, and I think there's a lot of leaders out there, had a lot of vulnerability around a topic, but was never allowed to say, I don't know. I, I That part of the conversation, I'm not really fully aware of. So I could couch my questions, not in a way to say, like, give me an answer. What do you think? But um, but ask questions around just what thoughts have you had around this topic? And how do you think that that would imp- impact the organization differently? What impact would you like this to have on the team or the staff? Um, what impact do you think this is actually having on your peers? What creative questions can I design to be able to allow that person to think a little bit differently about the work? And hopefully um, that will then feed back for the team or the staff in terms of I've been having creative thoughts as a leader on this. And so now I am more open to inviting creativity and innovation and um, different perspective in the conversations that we have on a whole as a staff. And so I think that that's one area that a person who wants to begin um, influencing up can, and you actually, I think, gain a reputation for being that person. It's like, oh, so-and-so always asks me a great question about this. Um, And then peer-to-peer, I think that piece, again, of do I have to give advice? Does this person need feedback or does this person need an opportunity to figure out What's important to them about this thing? I'll give an example. Um, Going through an ERP or Enterprise Resource Planning System project had one gentleman who everybody just kind of pegged him as the complainer. And when I was looking at it, I was like, I don't think that he's a complainer. And so going over and asking like, okay, I know that you get really passionate about this. Um, What is it that is... um, not just concerning to you, but what, like, what is it that like you really feel attached to in this process that you really feel is important to make sure that, and what I realized was that 
this person had been through three other processes like this, had watched them go down in flames and really felt a sense of responsibility that nobody else really felt regarding this particular one. But he's like, I've been here with all of these. If we don't get this right again, I feel personally like I'm not like, what am I doing? You know? And so, but I think that those can happen because we recognize that, you know, it isn't about, I need to give this person advice or I need to, I need to let them know that this is how you're coming across. Right. What it is, is can I give that person an opportunity to um, express what really is inside of this for them? And then have just having great conversations um, throughout. And one of, then the, one of the challenges is, right, that post-COVID, right, if, that, if I was outcome and that was where I showed my worth, the reality is a lot of this that's stymieing us is interpersonal. And so now we have to put some value back on that. So your thoughts, Jenny? Well, and no, I thought that was awesome. Okay. (laughs) He covered it all. So that's one of my passion areas is that like, I really do think, um, you know, as a school, we teach the how of coaching. Um, And one of the things that I love about our method is that we really encourage everybody to make their own experiment. And then each, you know, each time we come back, we share, even if it tanked. Even if I didn't actually get to do it, well, what got in the way of my doing it and what happened to my week because of that, because I didn't engage in what I wanted to do for myself. But the, uh, the idea that there is a process through which I can learn, maybe I'm, I'm learning how to make powerful questions, which are different from open-ended questions. <laughs> There's closed-end questions, open-ended questions. We all learned about those, you know. Um, but powerful questions that make people kind of take a step back and not give a canned answer. If I can create those, then I'm, that's what I'm going to try this week. And then to be able to come back a week later and have a supportive environment to say, well, this was the result. Um, that loop on itself, I think, encourages people. And those things can be taught. Um, and when they're engaged, I think they help people feel like I really belong to a place where it's not just that people see me, but people know me. Mm-hmm. One, I think it also removes maybe some of the anxiety or fear that people have in those situations where they feel like it is more of a feedback or mentoring session, you know, as you indicated when you Mm -hmm. first started answering my question, but it's really more about being curious and maybe coming at it with a different perspective, you know, specific to the example that you gave of the team feeling like it was a complainer, but you coming to the table thinking, I don't know, like, let's dig a little bit deeper there and sort of get to the root of why this individual may come off as being really, you know, frustrated or complaining about X, Y, or Z. So that was, that was really great. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else the two of you really want our listeners to walk away with today as they're thinking about, you know, coaching specifically, um, would like to give you just some free space to share that. And then definitely want to close up with how our listeners can get in touch with you, where they can go to find out more about learning journeys and all the services that you provide. Well, so just by chance, just today. I, when you said, gosh, coaching can be anywhere. It doesn't have to be um, the executives and 
and it does show up. I think that coaching is a way of being, and uh, we have our our beginning course is this week. And I, I love the beginning course because so many times people come into it, one, with the assumption that they're already coaching. And then they start to see, oh my gosh, no, I'm not. And, <laughs> um, but, but the other piece is that it can show up in our personal lives and everybody that is at the end of the coaching talks about how it changed how they parented. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a powerful, powerful modality for how we relate to each other, because, um, especially as parents, uh, we think it is our job to protect and the best way we can protect, according to my boys, that my approach has always been, um, that I'm going to tell you a story of what you're going to attempt to do right now and how somebody died doing that. <laughs> and that, that is how I'm going to save you from yourself. Um, but that actually, that strategy has never worked. And uh, however, the times that I've showed up curious and, And I think anybody that has um, a small child or had one somewhere in their lives have heard the comment of, you don't understand, even though you're like, wait a second, I went through whatever. But the same is true when we're in a workplace is that no matter what the situation is, the person across from you or next to you is saying, you don't understand. You don't get me. And the gift of coaching is that piece of being radically curious of what am I not getting? Mm-hmm. What is it that you that you're trying to convey? And what's driving this right now? What's important? What are you? What piece are you trying to protect? What are you trying to unpack? What are you? All those questions give us an opportunity to truly hear somebody, but then have them hear themselves because. If you think about how we relate to each other, we don't hear each other. We hear the piece that we think is important. And then we translate it into our meaning versus asking them, what does this mean? And and I think that even that simple piece over and over again, asking somebody, be it our kids or be it an employee or even somebody above us is when you say this, what does it mean? What does it mean to you? And how do you want me to translate this? Yeah, um, that, that is a gift that we could give each other right now, because I think we are misinterpreting all kinds of craziness. And not what we're doing is separating even further and further away when we desperately and we're designed to be together. Yeah. One last thing that I'd like to point out, thank you for that, Jenny. I think it's so true, is... I'll try to say it quickly. I think organizations and think, oh gosh, okay, that's nice. And it makes so much sense, but it's going to take time. It's going to take so much time. I don't have that kind of time. We've got deadlines and things and things, you don't know, all the things we have to do. And um, I would ask them to stop and consider all the things that they've tried. I mean, how many classes, and I'm not knocking EQ, but how many EQ classes have you held? Um, what your people are lacking then is what do I do with all my EQ, right? I've gotten the training, but I don't know how to put this into practice. I don't know how my other, how how to somehow manifest this into the workplace so that we can all like get along, enjoy and, and, and move forward 
toward the vision that you keep articulating. And so that level of frustration sometimes will show up. And I think if we can think of coaching as it is another piece to the puzzle, and it's a piece that we probably haven't been using um, as effectively as we could, and can we harness it in and amongst all the other resources we have? Whenever I come into an organization, I'm not telling you to get rid of your performance management module or model, but I am asking, what, where's the gap? And I think that in many ways, coaching is, um, has the potential to fill a gap so that when I get to performance um, management, that those things that I'm talking with this employee about, A, they feel I know them, and B, um, nothing is a surprise, right? Um, and then the last thing I'll just say is that for everybody at every level, as we said at the beginning, these are skills and talents and that can be honed and harnessed for anybody in an organization. And I really think that as, as you just try, I think sometimes it's like organizations, you know, one manager, one team, just try. And as you try, watch those things rub off on each other and you begin to build the resilience of the team. And what that means is that it might be long in starting. What was it? The flywheel uh, was a popular um, trope a few years back. Yeah, it takes a little while to begin to turn the flywheel. But when it gets going and people have that level of resilience, people are now are beginning to ask those types of questions. How much faster does it and how much more productive and how much more efficient and how much more dynamic does it make your team um, as they work together and as they fulfill even more quality, um, you know, experiences for your clientele. Um, so it's, is it worth the work? Absolutely. Are we already doing the work? Yeah, but we're going in circles, not getting anywhere. I'd love for us, even if we did go in circles <laughs> to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think about, to your point, it takes a lot of time. I think when people say this is going to take so much time because they're thinking of it in the context of I, I'm going to, how many people's do I need to change? How many people's mm-hmm. minds do I need to change versus for stuff like, like this? Um, it's not as much time if you maybe just focus on yourself, right? In the first and foremost, uh, figure it out on your own. And then that should translate to, to other people. Um, Jess, I know, I don't know if you have any other questions or if we want to let everybody know how they can contact her and, and Jenny. Yeah, no other questions. Definitely want to do that. And then want to give the two of you an opportunity to talk just a little bit more about learning journeys, offerings, and uh, where people can go if they want to use your services. Absolutely. Should I start rattling off all the things, Jenny? Sure. Okay. Um, well, the biggest thing is that you can find us at www.learningjourneys.net. Uh, the easiest way you can start with is our calendar and you can see what's upcoming. And so we do have, um, for those who are kind of coaching curious, the first Saturday of each month, if it's a holiday um, weekend, then it'll usually be the second Saturday. But just for $20, you can hop in and just have some of these really fun, interesting conversations with other people who are both coaches and kind of coach adjacent. So some people are just like, I'm a manager and I'm just trying to get better at what I do. Some people are just like, I just love having these conversations because they make me think. Uh, Those are all live virtual on Zoom. And so really easy to just jump in and join with us that way. If you are a person who's thinking like, you know what, I really 
I'm kind of interested in this coaching thing and you want to try out a really unique experience, our uh, capstone and cornerstone class is called Power of Possibility. And that happens uh, once a month. And so you can always just jump in. It's the prerequisite for the entire coaching certification, um, but it's basically two and a half days and it's kind of retreat style. Um, we usually try to do at least one of them in person. I believe our June session is going to be in person. Right by the pool. Right by the pool in Woodbury. <laughs> um, but then we also have online sessions of that as well. Really amazing, powerful opportunities for people to just be like, you know what, I'm going to try this out. See if these ladies are talking truth. Um, if it actually does make me think powerfully about my life and about how I lead, about how I interact with my colleagues. So those are two of the great ways that you can jump in and join us. And those are all available at the website. And I, I don't have much else except for that. If you do, if you do want to reach out to us personally, mm -hmm. we always invite that as well. And so yes. um, you can email me or call me and my phone, my phone number is 651-402-2975 or email, which is Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E at learningjourneys.net. And I am more than happy to sit down with you and have a conversation about what you're trying, what you're trying to achieve and what you've tried and what you want to still try. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I looked and you're both on LinkedIn yes. and there is also um, a learning journeys page on LinkedIn as well to go there alternatively, you know, to dip your toe in the water, if you will. Um, so thanks to you both. This was, um, we've certainly talked about coaching and mentorship in previous episodes, but we have not dove into it at the extent that we did here today. And I think the two of you couldn't have been better guests um, to talk about this. So thank you for your willingness to be guests on the What the HR podcast. Thanks for your wisdom and for your passion on the topic. Um, and any anything else you'd you'd add there, Mike? No, just that I found out that my parenting style is wrong. Um, and that I'm not, <laughs> well, that I'm was not, the whole point. This was I'm, actually an intervention, Mike. <laughs> yeah, because I, 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 man, every single time I, you want to know I, when I did that, I ended up with stitches. I was in the hospital or some you know crazy story. But I guess that's we'll have to do a different episode on on that and figuring out how to fix that. But no, I, I wouldn't add anything except for I love the conversation and it was a pleasure meeting both of you and we're just grateful to have you on the show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, Please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Mm -hmm.